Call me Hobo Hefe. Translation, I'm the shit. Least that's what my neck say. Least that's what my check say. Lost my homie for a decade. Welcome to episode 243 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. Happy Saturday morning, everyone. We're going to have to keep podcasts going because I feel like Nate's going to start catching up to us because Nate Shivers is back doing Pinball Podcast. Nate, it's good to hear your voice again on the Pinball Airwaves, and I know you're going to talk to George Gomez about Deadpool real soon, so I look forward to hearing that interview. On this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast, we are going to talk about some pinball news. There's not too much. And, you know, because this podcast is blacklisted by all the manufacturers out there and people in the world of pinball making, it's really hard for me to get interviews with the luminaries and the personalities and the hobby, but I did manage to get a few sound bites from the people out there in the pinball world, and I'm going to air those really quick interviews with you later on in the podcast. So what I want to talk about today is simple. I want to talk about a couple things that have been going on in the world of Stern Pinball. And one is they had a little teaser video of Deadpool. And I have to give Stern credit because I think this teaser is brilliant. And it's also funny to see people's reaction to it. So if you haven't seen it, uh, it's just a little like 15-second video of a Deadpool figure uh, with springs for his arms and head. So it's like a bobblehead with spring on a head, like head on his head's on a spring, his arms are on springs. And I, I love that people are reacting to this sincerely and thinking that that is actually going to be in the game. How silly are some of you? That is a fake teaser for Deadpool Pinball. If you've been following the way Deadpool has been marketing itself, even the movie, all it does is take the piss out of traditional marketing efforts. And I think this is Stern just having a good time and making fun of all the negative criticism people had around the TIE fighter on a spring. And they're like, let's do something that's even funnier and put the worst looking bobble toy together and tease it as Deadpool pinball. So for those of you out there, this is not going to be in the game. There is no way that Stern is being serious. And I think people need to start realizing that Stern has a sense of humor, that they're not this company that is unaware of what people say. And they, they also will make jokes from time to time. You know, do you know that the reason why the reason why in Iron Maiden Pinball, it says, welcome to my world, Underclass. They put that in there because this show kept saying that what we want is a world under glass. So Canada's Pinball Podcast actually had an impact on a call out inside Iron Maiden. So we've become part of pinball history. You can thank the show right now. All right. Another thing I want to talk about when it comes to Stern, and I saw this thread. And this is a really sort of strident thread, and it's it's it, it basically asks the question: Is Stern evil? Is Stern Pinball an evil company? And they were asking that question because of uh, what Charlie over at Spooky Pinball said in his podcast around how Stern swooped in and took the Godzilla license away from Chuck. And I want to just talk about this very bluntly and very directly because I think. If you think Stern Pinball is an evil company, I, I think you're misguided. And I also want to uh, talk about the reality of marketplace competition and the, the reality of what Stern is trying to do in the pinball world. So first and foremost, 
I do not think Stern is an evil company. In fact, if it wasn't for Stern Pinball, there would be no other pinball companies around. So you cannot, you cannot crucify Stern Pinball for for stealing the Godzilla license and it just it, that that underscores what an evil operation they have going on there. They're making pinball machines. Now, look, I think it's really easy now in 2018 to sort of complain about everything Stern does, about the quality, about this, about spike systems, about them stealing Spooky's Godzilla license. If it wasn't for Stern Pinball, there would, the entire pinball industry would have collapsed. They are the only reason why there are new in-box pinball machines. Nobody else carried the industry on their back. Nobody else uh, did whatever it took to keep pinball alive quite like Stern Pinball. Right? And so for people to say, you know, with Stern is evil, I think those people are stupid. You know, because if there is no Stern Pinball, you know what else there is none? There's no pinball life. There's no vendors making parts for pinball machines. There's nobody out there in the world manufacturing and developing the parts that would have uh, that that are required for all these boutique companies to pop up at, like Spooky, right? All these boutique companies to pop up like American Pinball. What how do you think these guys survive? Like they don't they're not making all of their parts in-house. Um, they are buying parts from pinball vendors. And the only reason those pinball vendors uh, are even around is because Stern Pinball is their biggest order. All right. So that's, that's, that's that. Let's talk about Godzilla for a minute because blaming Stern for getting the Godzilla license isn't Stern doing a dickish evil move. And, you know, in fact, we know that Deep Root was also trying to bid on Godzilla. Uh, I think Godzilla is a very, very uh, desirable pinball theme because it's an evergreen property. You know, it's sort of like Ninja Turtles to me. If you make a Godzilla pinball machine, uh, I, I think it's always going to be a fun machine to walk up and play because everyone, regardless uh, if they're into the movies or they're into pinball, it's a universal monster theme. The other part about Godzilla that's interesting is the new Godzilla movie franchise is all about Godzilla King of the Monsters and I think he also will be battling King Kong. And imagine a Godzilla versus King Kong pinball machine. So Stern might have bid for this just to have the rights uh, to make a game like that. And I want everybody to ask yourself a question. If a Godzilla pinball machine was going to be made uh, in the near future, who do you think would make the better game? Do you think it would be Spooky or Stern, right? Who do you think? And I think undoubtedly it would be Stern. I mean, Stern would make the better game. Has any game that Spooky has made, has it been better than the, Cer than the Stern games that came out that year? Is Alice Cooper better than Iron Maiden? Is Alice Cooper going to be better than the Munsters? Is Alice Cooper better than Batman? You know, I think a lot of people make a lot of it, not excuses, but the reason why they buy spooky games, it's not because they're saying this game is better than Stern or it's better than a Jersey Jack game, is they want to support the company of spooky. And I get that. And I get that. But I've also, I've also said that that kind of just like desire to support and keep spooky going that will run out right this whole notion that i, I want to just do what's right for the pinball world and more pinball companies is what we need and i just want to support them by buying their product that sort of sentiment will fade and ultimately spooky needs to make great games if they want to stay in business right this is not a charity effort 
You should not be buying games because it's just about supporting the goodwill of an organization. I don't care about that anymore. I think Spooky's been around long enough where they now need to make great games. And I said on my previous podcast, for Spooky to get there and make great games, I think Chuck needs to get on the design bench and let somebody else take over in designing their games. And they need to go hire someone who really gets how to design a great pinball machine. And and as long as he's the main designer, I don't think they're going to get there. And this is not me personally attacking Chuck. I think Chuck should run the company. And I think he knows how to run a pinball company and keep it above water and keep it profitable. But he also wants to be the signature designer. And, and I still don't think those designs are as good as the designs we're seeing at other pinball companies. And as I read down that list of all the games coming out in August, uh, there's so many uh, things you can buy. You know, if it wasn't for TNA, the company would probably be in trouble because because Alice Cooper wasn't ready. Uh, Rob Zombie was done being made. And so you have all these months where the factory would sit idle. So TNA not designed by Chuck, is their most successful game. It's the game everyone raves the most about. So I think Chuck should go. If I were giving him advice, if I were Chuck, I would go get that um, Nightmare Before Christmas game and make it. All right. Now, because I think that Stern oftentimes becomes, you know, the, the criminal and, and, and the bad boys in, in the pinball world of like, they, you know, they don't really care about us. And I don't think that's the case. I, I think that Stern uh, is doing something that is giving it a competitive advantage uh, by locking in some titles and themes. Like we know that they apparently have the Pulp Fiction license. Are they going to make Pulp Fiction? I don't know. Uh, but the other part is this. It's, it's that pinball is a competitive marketplace. And if people think for one second that Stern doesn't want to put other pinball companies out of business. I think those people are stupid. Of course they do. I've never seen any any industry where uh, where a company doesn't compete to have more market share and more profit um, and and more sort of uh, dominance than the companies next to them that are also trying to make the same exact products. This whole notion that all these pinball companies are in it together and it's all about getting the younger generation into pinball and it's all about this, it's all about that, that's such bullshit. Like, it's such bullshit. Like, I get there are some people out there that cheerlead for that and think that's all that matters. And there's a bunch of podcasts out there that also sort of have that same approach that all pinball is good pinball. And I'm not going to say anything about any of these companies. And it's just a great thing to be alive with all these games coming out. You know, all movies are good movies. I'm not going to say anything bad about a movie regardless if it sucks. You know, bullshit. Stern doesn't want there to be eight other pinball manufacturers out there. Stern doesn't want Monster Bash remake to come out when the monsters come out why would they uh, you know there's not enough money and space to go around to to have these many companies out there now no one can even come within a country mile of making as many games as Stern can and no one has nearly uh, the powerful themes that Stern has in pinball and and that's just the way it is right who would you rather have had make predator Stern or Skippy who would you rather have had make alien Andrew Highway or Stern, right? It's just it's just that simple. You know, the reason I like Stern uh, games is they come out 
I like Stern Games because every year I get to decide between three to four titles that I can buy and it ends up in my house within a couple of months of it being revealed. The reason I like Stern Games is they're not wide body. The reason I like Stern Games is they now have the best artists. The reason I like Stern Games is because they've got the best coders in the industry. The reason I like Stern Games is they're not overly complex. I know what to do. I like Stern Games because it's got the right size LCD. You know, I have fun playing my Stern games. You know, I do find it funny that, you know, Stern sort of is the company that doesn't want anything to do with this podcast. But at the end of the day, I think I do more promoting and celebrating of Stern product than I do bashing it. Now, that being said, I also think half of the games that Stern makes will probably be misses. And they'll take it personally when I crap all over them because I don't think everything Stern does is great. I think they could increase uh, the quality of some of the games here and there. I think they could reinforce those cabinets and do different things. Uh, But at the end of the day, without Stern Pinball, this podcast does not exist. No pinball podcast would really exist or be that exciting. We'd be stuck talking about games that are 20, 30 years old. Uh, Without Stern Pinball, no other pinball manufacturer is out there. So no, I don't think Stern Pinball is an evil company. All right. All right. Can we go on? Can we can we just call it that? Can we just all right, let's go on. What else is going on in the pinball world? So um let's see. Thunderbirds reviews. Now Thunderbirds is a game that is finally coming out after all this time. And I've been reading the thread and review after review after review is not good. All right. Now, not many people have played the game, but those who have played it have not had nice things to say. Now, I need to call out somebody on this podcast who who really owes us an honest review of Thunderbirds and and he just won't. And it, it boggles my mind because he's a member of the community. He starts all these different threads about his odysseys around the world, and that's none other than New Zealand's own Roto Dave, who has like 150 pinball machines in his collection. He actually has a Thunderbirds in his possession, and he won't give us an honest review. He, he just keeps dancing around the gameplay of the product. And I just, I'm just like, Dave, from me to you, bro, for me to you, bro, you own 150 games. You know what's a good shooter. You know what's a good game. You know what's a bad game. You actually have probably the greatest ability to give people a super objective, realistic uh, review of the game, and you won't. So I want to say shame on you, Dave, for not telling the world what we all know that you know, which is that Thunderbirds plays like a thunder turd and everyone's saying it but you bro you need to like stop trying to protect the fact that mike is a friend mike is this mike is that i get it i get it but but be honest with us for once the information we want from you is how good is the game we don't need to know like you know which like pizza and donut joints you freaking found on your next odyssey all right keep it honest bro all right let's go on So as I was saying, um, there's also been a lot of debate in the pinball world about the remakes versus the originals. We're starting to see a lot of people trying to unload, like unload, unload their Monster Bash remakes into the world. Um, And it's interesting right now because if you want to buy a Monster Bash, I don't know anyone who would buy a remake, like sorry, the original right now. Why wouldn't you just wait? Um, The debates about remakes versus originals will never be settled. We won't settle it on this show buy the one you want if an original game means more to you or you think the originals play better and play different then here's what you do go buy an original 
Now the good news is the originals are starting to come down in value more and more uh, as the remake is on the horizon. Now I have heard that the remake is stunning. I, I, I've heard that they've even taken it another level above uh, Attack from Mars Remake LE, and that's exciting. And the only thing that I, I was talking to Joe at Pinball Star, and he was saying how he was trying to convince them to make more than 1,000 LEs of Monster Bash Remake. And I just have to say, 1,000 is not limited. We've said this before. It, it's, it's so stupid. Like, I still think they should make, for the diehard uh, Monster Bash collector, they should make a super, super, super special version. But if you're going to do that and charge a lot, you can't make a thousand of them. I, I still think, I, I, I do like the Stern for these remakes. I do like there being more of like a super limited edition version that only those guys get. And look, it's just a matter of if you want to do that, right? Because I think there's a lot more money to be made when you just control the volume of a game you already know everyone wants. So if you made 50 super limited edition uh, Monster Bash remakes that had whatever different on it, uh, people would buy it. And you could charge $15,000 easily for it. And I just think these companies, they leave money on the table. And that is why I'm excited about the mystery game that I've been seeing more and more of because it's going to be limited. It's not going to be something where like a thousand people are going to be playing the game or, or, or experiencing it. So uh, I still think these companies can't understand that very simple concept of a very high-end game that not everyone gets. Like, does everybody get to own a Ferrari or Bugatti? And yet there's so many multimillionaires in pinball and nobody is making a product for them. So stupid. It is. It is. It would be easier for Charlie to sort of go high-end and make more profit than to do what he's doing and releasing games that are really competing against Stern Premium and Pros. And, you know, how much is how much is he making a game? You know, even if he makes, let's say Charlie makes $2,000 a game. I don't even know if it's that high. So you sell 300 games, $600,000 over 18 months divided by employees, divided by wages, divided by rent, divided by, you know, it's not a lot. It's not a lot. It goes quickly. Um, it goes quickly. So, uh, look, look, here's the deal. I really wanted to get to the bottom of what's going on at different manufacturers. So I've been trying hard to line up interviews and it's been really difficult for this show. It's been really difficult. You know, I'm never going to get the interviews that head to head pinball gets or, or the super duper extra awesome, never before seen once in a lifetime. Holy cow. This was recorded at the, you know, the Grand Canyon podcast with Christopher Franchi. I'm never going to get those because, you know, Chris works with people at Stern. Um, you know, Ryan and Marty, like they do a really good job, um, you know, talking to people for an inordinate amount of time, you know, and, and, and I appreciate that. For this show, I think we do good interviews and I think every time we interview people, it's fair, but it's just hard. It's hard. But I am never going to leave you, the listener, without. You are never going to be starving for the actual sort of chronicling of this uber important hobby on planet Earth. And so without further ado, I want to give you guys some snippets of the recent conversations I've been having with the different pinball manufacturers out there. And it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy. But I hope you give me credit. And I hope you're thankful that Canada's Pinball Podcast continues to dedicate my time and energy to your unabashed entertainment needs. All right? All right. Okay. So first and foremost, 
And I've been hearing a lot about Thunderbirds and Homepin, and I, you know, I was really curious to hear from Mike on what he thought about the recent reviews of Thunderbirds and and sort of you know how have orders been coming in to the Homepin uh, factory. And and here's what Mike said when I asked him. I said, Hey, Mike, Mike, what's it like? looking at the amount of orders you're getting in right now and how do you feel spending five years of your life dedicated to making a machine that people are panning and here's what he said to me first you've got to get mad you've got to say i'm a human being god damn it my life has value Yeah, then he hung up the phone on me. So then I tried Barry over at Dutch Pinball, and I asked Barry, I said, Barry, you know, a lot of early achievers are still wondering if they're ever going to get their big Lebowski machines. There's actually a thread on Pinside where the early achievers are talking amongst themselves. Are you going to finally get people their big Lebowski games after they gave you money four years ago? And here's what Barry said to me. Uh, Okay, so... uh That's almost four years ago, dude. I mean, I've moved on. I guess you haven't. Well, and then I saw that Yop was next to Barry, and I asked him, Hey, Yop, look, uh, if there's one thing you could tell the early achievers that would make them continue to hope and feel good that there is a chance they will finally get their big Lebowski pinball machines, what's the one sentence that you would tell them to keep the faith in what you have going on at Dutch Pinball? I don't know. I don't have a clue. You don't have a clue, Yop? I mean, it's a very simple question. I mean, I really just think you could help the entire pinball world out if you could just answer a very, very simple question. Will the people who paid you in full for a big Lebowski pinball machine, will they ever get their pinball machine? Very simple question. My mind just cannot get around a question like that. I, I don't know. All right, fair enough. So it, it, it might not look good for you early achievers out there. So then I actually went over to Stern Pinball, and I was really shocked because I had heard from Zach Sharp, I had heard from other people over at Stern that they would not grant Canada's Pinball Podcast any more interviews. Uh, and I was, you know, I was flabbergasted when no other than Steve Ritchie he came to meet me and he offered to do an interview with Canada's Pinball Podcast. And I was super excited, so I want to air that interview with you right now. Let's roll the tape. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to Canada's Pinball Podcast legendary pinball designer Steve Ritchie, responsible for some of your favorite pinball designs, the, the king of pinball, the master of flow, designed games from Star Wars to High Speed to Game of Thrones uh, to Star Trek. This man is a legend. Steve, thank you so much for joining Canadian Pinball Podcast. Are you comfortable talking to the world's most provocative podcast? Absolutely. Uh, We'll give it a shot. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you so much. Now, I've been talking to a lot of the people over here at Stern. I've been talking to Zach. I've been talking to George Gomez. I've been talking to Gary Stern. And there's one singular story they all tell me. And they say, you know, when you think about Steve Ritchie and you look at what he's done in the pinball world, you can come to no other conclusion that Steve Ritchie's first love in life, his ultimate first love in life, 
is pinball. Steve, can you confirm that that is the case? Well, my first love was a chick named Lisa Cohen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Actually, Steve, I, I don't know what you mean. I was, I was just sitting with George Gomez in his office, and he was saying um, pinball is your first love. And is, is, this, is this not true? Is, is, is this not what you want to talk about? I, I thought this is why you came on Canada's Pinball Podcast. Can you please explain what you mean? What I'm explaining is, as we said, to not talk about shit like that. And we also said uh, that we didn't want to hear anything about how this is my first love. You wouldn't say that to Tom Petty, would you? Probably wouldn't say that to Tom Petty, but I'm not sure, Steve, what he has to do with pinball. All right, let's switch gears, Steve, because I don't want to get you upset because, you know, it's really rare that I get a stern interview and I don't want to mess this one up. Let's talk about Star Wars for a second, Steve, because, you know, Star Wars is probably the most anticipated title in all of Stern Pinball, and people had waited a couple of years and heard that you were gonna design the most incredible pinball machine, you know, two years in the making, the biggest theme on the planet. If you were to describe Star Wars, when all is said and done, if you were to tell someone, this is how I feel about how Star Wars ultimately ended up, how would you describe the game to people? Uh, it's very, uh, yeah, very, um, well, Mashed potatoes with no gravy, you know what I'm saying? I, I guess so, I guess so. Hey, Steve, um, another question. Do you know what Replay FX is? Replay FX is a gaming convention. It's making it a full thing. Well, then Steve actually walked out of the room and concluded the interview. And I'm really sad because I really want to get more stern people on the show and they keep making it difficult for me. So not to be discouraged, I went over to Jersey Jack Pinball because right now it's a really exciting period at Jersey Jack. They're getting ready to ship Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and I've been watching more and more streams of them play the game at the Jersey Jack headquarters. And even though it feels like I've been watching this game for almost a year now, um, I was just curious whether or not they felt that the hype for Pirates of the Caribbean was gone, right? Because we all know that a lot of the reason why people run to buy pinball machines is because there's a short hype window and Jack is a salesman. He's like the king of sales. And I wanted to just ask Jack if he felt the hype for Pirates of the Caribbean pinball was gone. Um, and so let me air for you how that conversation went. Jack, it's Chris at Canada's Pinball Podcast. Welcome to the show. I want to start out this interview by asking you one question. Do you feel the hype for Pirates of the Caribbean pinball is as big as ever? Or do you think the hype, because you showed it a year early, is gone? And it's gone. It's gone. It's all gone. It can't be all gone, Jack. Surely these videos that your team keeps putting up, showing us the game over and over and over again, has brought some of the hype back. Have, have those videos that Eric and Keith been putting up on Twitch, have they created more hype for the game? Or do you still feel that the hype is gone after those videos have gone live? And it's gone. Sorry, yeah, that's gone. And it's gone! So needless to say, all of my attempts to get Eric on the show to talk about Pirates of the Caribbean have failed. I maybe have been blacklisted now by Jersey Jack Pinball. Um, so then I decided to go over 
to Deep Root Pinball. And Deep Root, as we know, is working on a lot of titles. And the most anticipated stuff revolves around John Papaduke. And I, I actually flew down to Texas and I was outside of Robert Mueller's office. And I had heard that John Papaduke had actually flown in earlier that day. And I actually put my ear to the door and I heard a Deep Root meeting going on in which Robert Mueller was talking to John Papaduke and it was crazy. Here's what I heard Robert Mueller saying to John and John's reaction. Johnny. Yeah. Sorry to tell you that you have to return to your life of debt. Yeah. The people clap loud when you win a Grammy. They clap louder when you win an Oscar. But the people clap the loudest when you fall. And Champ got knocked out today. There are some last words that I'd like to say to the group. Guys. I don't care how tough you think you are, nothing hits harder than life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, okay? And don't be pointing fingers saying, I'm not where I need to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. If I want a stern, I'll I'll get another stern. <laughs> so I decided to close out my attempt to just get a decent manufacturer interview uh, by going over to American Pinball. Now, this is a true story. I've been sending Josh Kugler some emails asking him if he would talk, if he would come on the show, if he would confirm for me whether or not they were making Oktoberfest as their next title. And I'm being serious here when I say this. Josh used to respond to this show all the time. Now he won't respond to me. Now, I think that really means one thing, uh, that Oktoberfest is happening and they're going to make it and they want nothing more to do with Canada's Pinball Podcast. And that's fine. I mean, you can you can just keep ignoring my questions, but I think we all know that Oktoberfest is coming next. So uh, I did find Joe Balser there. And I, 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 I got Joe to answer one question for me. I said, Joe, I got to just ask, are you sorry that you made the shots in Houdini so tight that people find the game more frustrating than fun? And, and do you finally want to come clean and apologize for how difficult you made the shots in Houdini? And he, he'd had a few in him, and then here was his response. I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we had to defend ourselves against an unwarranted attack. I'm sorry that your crew was stupid enough to fire on a station filled with a quarter million civilians, including your own people. And I'm sorry I waited as long as I did before I blew them all straight to hell. <laughs> Well, and that concluded the interview with American Pinball. And I know that you guys love hearing interviews on this show. And I, I'm here to promise you that we have a lot of good guests lined up for the show. Uh, but I also just don't want to always be interviewing people and making this show an hour or two hours long. I know I harp on that. 
But I mean that. It's it's like you there's a lot of stuff going on, but we don't need to belabor and beat it to death. Uh, I think you guys tune into this show to hear a little bit of like the weekly what's been going on in pinball, uh, because ultimately uh, there's not a ton going on, especially in the summertime. But we're right on the verge. We're going to see Deadpool within the next couple weeks. Um, we're going to see people unboxing Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, we are going to see more people getting their Alice Coopers. Those are going to start shipping. Um, we are going to see people who get Thunderbirds, people who get uh, Pinball Mafia. I don't think so. We're going to get people uh, who are going to be getting Monster Bash Remake really soon. So it's really going to be an explosive fall in the pinball podcast and the pinball collecting and the pinball playing world. And I look forward to it. I look forward to it. I thank you for holding on and listening to the show. Uh, and we are going to have some good guests soon. Uh, in closing, I want to say this. And I know we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, this sort of uh, desire to sort of criminalize Stern Pinball, to try and blame them for doing disingenuous things to hurt people like Spooky Pinball. And I think it's completely unfair to ever say that Stern Pinball is to blame for anything going on in the pinball world. Uh, Stern Pinball is the only pinball company that consistently delivers some of the best pinball themes out there and you don't have to wait year after year after year to get your game i've said it before they've never taken anyone's money and not shipped them a pinball machine and as i look at this batman 66 this gorgeous sex on a box sex in a box machine that christopher franchi and stern put together uh, that i can turn on and i can play and i can enjoy every day of my life i've had this batman machine uh, for almost a year nothing has really gone wrong with it other than one node board went down that they sent me a replacement other than that it's been playing flawlessly you know flawlessly i get to have pinball enjoyment on an amazing theme thanks to the people at stern pinball who made it happen and you know when i when i read like the alien thread lately it's like the same thing like these machines just keep breaking uh these boutique companies keep delivering subpar products and stern is not to blame in fact i think stern is the savior of pinball now that's not to say that they don't have things they need to work on that's not to say that they don't have bean counters it's not to say that i don't think sterns are overpriced because i do think they are overpriced uh, but i still think i'd rather pay more and get something uh, than support other companies that would either lose my money or or ship me a product that's not as good as what i can get from stern because i think stern does understand the fundamentals of how to make a pinball machine fun because if they didn't think about this for a minute if stern didn't know how to make the best pinball machines that brought enjoyment to people they would not have 95 percent or 90 percent of the pinball market and, and there's just no denying that and i think it's easy to root against them it's easy to pick on them it's easy to make fun of them but if you were to say hey here's an iron maiden pro Name me another $5,200 machine out there that's new in box that even comes close to this machine and comes close to this value. And you just would be sitting there with your hands in your pocket, dumbfounded, all right? So that's just what I want to say is that Stern is a juggernaut for a reason. 
and 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 you know half their games are going to be amazing the other half whatever but at least they're getting you options every year and i don't like waiting an entire year for pirates of the caribbean to ship it's boring to me that we know willy wonka's next and now we have to wait another like 18 months to get it jersey jack was supposed to be the company that really gave Stern a run for the money. And they just have failed at doing that because they really can't get games out fast enough. There is no reason why that we should have to wait 18 months for like every new Jersey Jack game, even longer than that. And they can, they can only really get one new game on the line at a time. Meanwhile, Stern will get like a new game on the line every four months. Every four months. So what what gives? It's not a mystery how to make pinball machines. I think what's a mystery to a lot of these other boutique companies out there, and they just can't figure this out, is they just don't give people exactly what they want. Stern just keeps making pinball machines that are really good and sometimes great. They're not trying to reinvent pinball. All these other companies are trying sometimes so hard to reinvent what is pinball that they just failed to make a great game because it's they're trying to do too much and it doesn't require so much to make pinball a great experience, all right? All right, that being said, have a good weekend, everybody. We'll be back real soon with some more of your favorite super duper extra awesome Christopher Franchi moment of silence before we go to the closing music. Chris, take it away. Ain't nobody fresher than my motherfucking click.